This is the After Hours Director's Spotlight, presented by Amro Music. It's the podcast where we chat with music educators to celebrate the joy of teaching music and learn about strategies for success. In this episode, Nick Averwater talks with Dr. Albert Wen. He's the Director of Bands at the University of Memphis. Dr. Wen was generous with his time, and this conversation covered a lot of different topics, so we're splitting it into two episodes, and this is part one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to After Hours Director Spotlight Edition. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with my good friend, Dr. Albert Wynn from the University of Memphis. Now, Albert is a passionate student of leadership, a big fan of Memphis barbecue, and uh, really looking forward to just unpacking some of the things that brought him here to the University of Memphis and the influences that took place on his life and helped to craft and create the person he is today. Albert, welcome to After Hours. It's good to see you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me. Man, I, I really appreciate a few moments of your time today. And let's just start at the beginning. There's a lot of people who, of course, in the Memphis area know you, but a lot of our listeners that may not know Dr. Wynn from the University of Memphis, hit some of the high points for me and help me understand what brought you to where we are today. Certainly. Um, so I uh, born and raised in Van Buren, Arkansas. Um, and then uh, after after graduation, I decided to uh, major in music education and ended up at Arkansas Tech University. Um, from there, I landed my first job in Moralton High School at Moralton, Arkansas, working with the high school and the middle school band. Um, I was there. I, I think I was there for about four years, uh, and then I um, decided that I needed to get smarter. So I went, uh, applied for graduate school at the University of Texas in conducting. And so I just did my master's there and my doctorate. Um, at some point, you do have to get another job. Um, I applied here at the University of Memphis for their uh, athletic band position. At the point, at that time, it was like the the, the third band director. Um, they hired me uh, around this time, about 13 years ago. Wow. And uh uh, moved from Austin to here at that point, you know, like newly married, got into the house. We moved into a place in Cooper Young. Um, and then uh, after about, I think, also another three, perhaps four years, I can't, it's getting a little fuzzy. Um, but um, my colleague, Craig Williams, he he left for another place, Rutgers, and which left the director of bands position open. I applied for that. They were uh, uh, kind enough to let me stay and keep it and, and, or to have that job. And, and now I am here, director of bands. That's uh, this is just, I, I, if I'm doing my math right, I think we've just finished year 13 yeah. here uh, at Memphis, which is great. Well, I grew up watching you conduct from across the arena. <laughs> and, and of course, at the time, you know, I was middle school, high school student. And I just remember thinking, man, all I know is they're having fun over there. I mean, when, when you were on the podium, you could just tell the, the, the students, the, the band members, they were having fun. I remember that being the, the trademark standout image that I have of watching your program. Oh, well, and, and they, they were. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the, 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 the uh, calling cards, I think, of, of our ensemble. Uh, the, that marching band, you know, Mighty Sound of the South, the pep band, the, the actual marching band itself, that's, that's what they bring um, and, and I'm just so, so proud to just be a part of that tradition. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're terrific. And it's definitely a big part of the community here at Memphis. When you see the University of Memphis band around town at the football games, the basketball games, it's just a ton of fun. So take me through a little bit, um, 
your journey, I mean, from Moralton, Arkansas, to the University of Memphis, you had some collegiate stops there. But who are the people that you look back on and you said, you know, if this individual didn't do this for me, I don't know if I'd be in this position today. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that it's easy for a lot of people to say, well, your parents. Um, But, you know, and and I'll say that, uh, but I want to say first what I take from it. You know, my my mom and dad came over from Vietnam around 1975 as refugees um, with absolutely nothing. Like, we ended up in Arkansas because they came out of the refugee camp at Fort Chaffee, which is in Barling, Arkansas. Um, instead of going to the coast where a lot of the refugees went to do things that they already knew how to do, like fish, or just stay next to an ocean or a large body of water, my family decided to stay uh, in that area. Um, and as, as a kid, I observed my parents doing everything they could to help other people. Uh, the biggest thing that I witnessed was that they also sponsored other refugees. I mean, that's that's how you get into this country. Someone in the country sponsors you to get in, and then you get in. Uh, and those people stayed with us, you know. Um, there, there are eight of us, very small, three-bedroom home, one-and-a-half bath. Um, and so the, so we would all, the kids would crowd into one room. Our guests would have another room. And of course my parents would have their room. And so that, that was a big part of my life was watching them serve other people. Um, another big part of my life that, that I know formed me was watching them do things to elevate their current situation. You know, my dad, uh, started off at Ream and he, um, uh, went to night school at, at the local community college at the time. It was West Ark. Now it's a part of the University of Arkansas. But he took night classes to, to get better. Um, and, you know, he went from welding and working on the line at, at the Ream Air Conditioning Company to becoming one of their quality control engineers, uh, and that's how he retired. Uh, in, in, in management. And, and, and my mom uh, did similar things. She started on the line at Tyson Foods and then elevated herself to another management position. And so I, I watched that. Uh, that was a big part of my life. I also watched them sacrifice a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom worked in the, like overnight. So she worked the third shift, right? My dad worked um, the first shift that was to that's how they would guarantee that there was going to be a parent home all the time right and so uh, what I witnessed there was um, dad would get up at three in the morning to pick up mom from Tyson uh, and then he would spend a little bit of time with her they would have a, a second dinner their time together uh, and then he'd go to work at Ream, run the first shift. And then mom would get us up. We'd get ready for school. She took care of all of, the, all of that. And then four o'clock, my dad came home. Uh, that's when we had dinner because that's when the family was at the table. And then uh, he, after dinner, my dad took my mom to work. And then after he took her to work, he did his homework for uh, community college. And then he'd go to class. And then we would be doing our homework. And so that was the model. That was just the way it was. Um, And so from there, 
I was then introduced into to band. You know, I, I remember in the fifth grade hearing uh, the middle school band come and play a concert, a recruiting concert, and I was just blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, they, they learned how to read music and they learned how to play these things, and I, I you know, I want to do that. Um, and so, you know, I, I sign up for band. This is what I want to do. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, well, I wonder, I wonder what we could afford. Like my, my question was, was never, Hey, I want to do band. Let's just make it happen. And I think all through my life as a kid, it's always, what could we afford to do? Can, can we afford to do this thing? Um, and so we get to band, we do the playing tests that everyone does, you know, uh, I wanted to play percussion and I wanted to play saxophone. Uh, I you know, that's every what kid I know, right? <laughs> that's, that's the way it went. Um, and, and I, you know, I think it was fine, but they made us try everything. Right. Um, I, I, I think I did okay trying out on the drum. I think I did okay playing on the saxophone. I think I did okay playing on the, the, the trumpet. And, and I remember at the end, um, the, the person who tried me out on, 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 and I didn't even, I didn't even think about this at the time, like literally until now, the person that tried me out on uh, trumpet was Mike Jones, who would eventually be my high school band director. But Mike Jones turned to me and he says, all right, Albert, I mean, you did well on all of these. Which one do you want to pick? Literally, I turned to him and it wasn't which one I wanted. It wasn't which one I liked. It was, well, which one is the cheapest? Which, which one do you think I can, that, that, we, that, that, that maybe my mom and dad could afford? And then he was like, well, you might be able to get a trumpet for $100. And a saxophone is this. And a drum is like, well, no, $100 is a lot. I'll try it for the trumpet and we'll see how it goes. Um, and then I go home, like scared actually, yeah. to ask if I could do this band thing. Uh, it was going to cost $100 to buy a trumpet. And, you know, literally, my parents didn't even bat an eyelash. Because, again, they knew, uh, either through paperwork that I sent home or whatever, they knew that me being good at band might result in a scholarship. They also knew that me having good grades would result in a scholarship. And, of course, from the very beginning... As, as far as I can remember as a student, they also would tell us, look, this is the only way you're going to be able to get to school. You understand that, right? Yeah. So this Find is your ticket. This is, this is what you're going to have yeah. to do. Uh, and so that's, that's how I worked. They're like, it, you, it wasn't we can't. It was we have to. And when it came to anything involving school, connected to school, connected to the possibility of my future, it was never we can't. In fact, I have no idea how my parents, to this day, I still don't know how they were able to provide the things that they provided for my brothers and sisters for us to do the things that we are doing. And now we're like capable humans, growing other humans. I don't know how they did that financially. Um, and someday maybe I'll have the courage to ask. Um, but yeah, they just made it happen. Big influences there. Um, wow. Yeah, and then you know, just I know that this part is, has gotten a lot longer than I anticipated it to go, but I, I do want to be really clear that from that point on, my path was guided. Once I got to band, my path was then guided in in a parallel way between my parents and then my band directors. Mm. It, it absolutely. I don't know if my band directors understood how close that relationship actually was. My folks made sure that we practiced. You know, it wasn't, 
It wasn't, let me just sign your practice record. It was, no, you didn't practice this much. Try it again. <laughs> you know, that was the way that it worked. Um, but watching then how all of my band directors, high school, middle school, all the way through college, that's what they were doing. Yes, they were creating art, making that music, but the thing that I think that really hooked into me was the fact that they were creating opportunities for other people to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. They sound like incredible people. I, the tenacity um, to do that is just almost unheard of these days. I mean, to, to work that schedule and to prioritize family, something has to give, and it sounds like they picked all the right things. I, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, um, and, you know, I, I think about my family right now. I mean, we've got two little ones, yeah. you know, three and six, and and um, I have absolutely no idea how it's possible. And you have little ones. You I know do. what you know what bath time is like. Yeah, chaos, joyful absolutely. chaos, but right. it's chaos. But so my mom and dad did that. My mom did that by herself while dad was at work. And there were six of us, three boys and three girls. I mean, and we're almost all about a year apart. I'm thinking to myself, what? That's crazy. <laughs> you know, my kids are three years apart. And it's, 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 it is joyful, but it's work, right? And they did that. And you can't take time off. No. Duty calls. Absolutely. Whether you're mentally prepared or right. not. And, 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 and here's what's really silly. You're right, because I don't, you know, that, that NyQuil commercial where, you know, the kid's bouncing up and down, and the dad's sick, and the kid goes, the dad goes, yeah, you got to take the day off. You know, no such thing, right? Right. I don't recall my parents being sick. And I'm sure they have been. And I'm sure they've been, like, really ill. But it it, it didn't affect us. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm prone to hyperbole, but this, I'm really think, I really think that that's, I can't remember them being sick. Wow. Yeah, that's that's absolutely incredible. And and I have to tell you, so through these director spotlights, I've had some really incredible conversations. But uh, one of the people who I had a conversation with was Kim Webb at Green County Tech, who is one of your former students. <laughs> and she very much was talking about the influence that you had on her life, who is now the director of bands at Green County Tech. And just a great conversation. But she said, you know, Dr. Albert Wynn, who's at the University of Memphis, was my band director wow. at Moralton. And it was just a, an incredible conversation to sit down with her. Yeah. It's it's difficult for me to even imagine that I could have the kind of influence that the people who have changed my life uh, have on me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think about it that way. I mean, it's just like, I'm, I'm just going, but th thank you for telling me that. Wow. That's, it was, it that's was cool. great. One of the things I know that you're really passionate about is creating opportunities for your students, specifically through student leadership, helping them to spread their wings a little bit. What are some of the ways that you do that here at the University of Memphis? Um, a, a lot of the ways that we do it is uh, through our section leader program um, with, with the marching band. Uh, and, and another way that we do it is also, you know, our student workers that we have in the office. Uh, but then another thing that we also do within the ensembles is how we are using students to lead small groups, how we are using students to offer input. Um, it's just like anything that they may be doing in the real world, we're, we're modeling that as much as we can here. 
Um, and I, I think the, 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 the big umbrella term would be that, uh, or, or, or approach would be that, is whatever is happening out there in, in the real world, so to speak, we're working really hard to model it here down to um, perhaps even creating, not creating, but allowing for similar scenarios uh, so that they can make decisions based on perhaps difficult uh, mm. scenarios. Yeah. And so we, we, we think about it pretty deeply. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the signs for an educator that may be listening that either they have a healthy develop student leadership program or uh, the, an intentionality behind developing student leaders versus maybe some of the warning lights, the blinking yellow lights that maybe I don't have as healthy of a culture when it comes to developing student leaders. What are some of the indicators that you look for in a program hmm. when it comes to that? Oh, that's, that's a great, great, great question. Um, you know, when I look at, when I look at programs that, that in my mind, they're like clearly developed, you know, there's, there's great student leadership, there's great staff leadership. What I, what, becomes really clear is that everyone has defined roles mm. and they're executing those roles with a high sense of pride, urgency, um, and, and they're like happy about it. You know, there's, there's no, there, there's, the energy is not frantic. It's no one's panicking. It could be busy. I mean, you can be, band's yeah. busy, right? you know, but, but it's, it's that view of we've we've encountered this scenario, we know how to handle it, we've got procedures for this, and this is what we do. Uh, and when I think about um, programs like that, I'm like, yeah, mm. they, they've got it together. It's because what happens then to get to that place is that everyone has clear expectations of 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 one another. Roles are defined. There are real boundaries. Um, there is clearly a system in place. There are rules in place, and there's training in place yeah. that continues that. the The training, I think, is probably the key component. Yeah, you know, and and that's what I when I see programs that are that way, I can probably see some kind of leadership handbook that is sitting on the director's desk yeah. that has all of those things that we just talked about, you know, yeah. rules, expectations, guides, et cetera, et cetera. Um, programs that, that, that may not be as established, the band director is overworked. Yeah. They're, they're the one that has to pull the trigger, so to speak, on all of the things um, and, and, and what ends up happening is it, it sort of, you can't multiply yourself, right? And and then then it's just frantic, um, and, th and those are the things that 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 I notice. And so, if, like for me, when I find myself thinking, "Oh, um, people just don't know what they're doing; they're waiting for me to tell them what to do," uh, well, then the problem is that I didn't plan far enough. Right? There are roles were not defined clearly enough. The training was not put in place for whatever for whatever that event was or for whatever this situation was. And that's how I know yeah. uh, when I find myself a little overworked. Uh, yeah. it's, that's where I failed. And I, I, man, that's such a good delineation because a lot of times in leadership when something doesn't go right, there's a natural tendency to look to the people and say, ah, the, the, 
the people didn't behave correctly. But usually, people want to behave correctly. It's the systems and the processes that prevented it. And, you know, at the business level, we talk about working in the business or on the business. Am I working in the business or am I working on the business? So, you know, in the business being, am I within the processes and systems? On the business being, am I creating the processes? Am I polishing the processes so that when we're up and moving, it's running efficiently? And I think that's such a great parallel to what you're talking about. So I think at the end of the day, great educators do the things that only they can do, right? And that's teach music. If you can find somebody that's a better accountant than you, let them be your, you know, your booster treasure. Yeah. If you can find somebody that can build props or woodworkers, let them build your props. You know, don't, don't feel like you have to do everything because you're right. You know, usually doesn't get done uh, as well because you're simply overworked. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I learned that the hard way. I remember. Oh yeah. When I, you know, when I first got here, um, you know, when you when you're learning that first job and you want to do a great job and and yeah, I I I'm not a stranger to hard work. I'm not a stranger to all nighters. You know, all that's I do that. I'm also not a stranger to procrastination. I mean, <laughs> all of that is there, which causes uh, many problems. But I, I clearly remember where Carol Rakestraw, who is 20 years as the admin for the band program, she was just recently retired. We're going to miss her greatly. But I remember her sitting me down and saying, look, there are things that you can do, and there are things that I can do. I can't do half the things that you do, but the things that you do are things that I can do. Let me do it. Yes. And I'm like... Did the light bulb go off when she said that to you? It did, but but a different light bulb. You know, it wasn't... I, I discovered that my problem wasn't... My problem was trust. Yeah. That that was the light bulb. Like, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't delegating. It wasn't that ultimately, like, I'm always trying to get to the root of the problem, right? And the root of the problem for me at that point was was, was trust. Um, it was fear. I don't, I seriously doubt selfishness was part of it. I certainly didn't want to keep all of that work to myself. Mm-hmm. I think it was driven primarily by uh, trust and fear, fear of failure or fear of lending my failure to someone else. Yeah. You know? So like if it did go wrong, it was just all on me. Yeah. You know, that kind of approach. Um, and that was, it, well, it's still a lesson that I have to continually remind myself of, but that was a big moment. I suspect so. And, and I, I think that's it, just, that's so hard for for people in leadership positions because you want your fingerprints to be on everything you know that's just what that's the way we're wired you know right. high, high energy high octane people but um but so, it, it points down to the system though yeah right that's right teach the people that you're working with your expectations allow them to experience that that grows them that raises their expectations of things um and then you've multiplied yourself That's Dr. Albert Wen, Director of Bands at the University of Memphis, talking with Nick Averwater. This conversation will continue in the next episode of the After Hours Director's Spotlight, which is presented by Amro Music, a family-owned company since 1921. At Amro, we work with over 600 schools in seven states to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians. And these partnerships make production of the After Hours podcast possible. 
Our director services department is ready to work with your school too. Just email Alan at amromusic.com or Seth at amromusic.com. And you can hear many more conversations with music educators at amromusic.com slash after hours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.